This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, today we're going to talk about travel tips, and I think we have some really good ones in here. I'm pretty excited to talk about this. Uh, Hopefully, they help you make travel more enjoyable and fun. Uh, We've both taken a lot of trips this year, big road trips, beach trips, mountains, a family, and much more. We'll cover from we'll cover some logistical tips, saving money, how to remember your trips, and some random stuff as well. And funny thing, I didn't think about this. We've done some mountain trips like individually with our families and whatnot, but we've also gone to the mountains together, just a couple of bros hanging out. We have a fire roar, <laughs> roaring over there. Did you ever think you'd go on um, one-on-one vacations with me? Um, no, I that never ever crossed my mind. But you, you're a pretty good roommate. Uh, and we're not sharing. We don't have to share a room here. There's actually space for it. But we are we are sure. <laughs> no. We we uh, we travel pretty good together. Yeah, I would agree. And we'll we'll get into the topic. But I was thinking about this today. We do a good job like matching each other's level of energy. So like this morning, we both were sitting here writing. We we were like, "Hey, morning." Didn't say a fucking word for like two hours. Didn't play any music. It's silent in here. You probably heard me like eating food and like chewing and stuff. But then later, uh, when it was time for us to talk, uh, then we started talking and it was fine. But it wasn't weird, except that I'm talking about it now. The the part where you said you needed me to sleep in your bed because you needed warmth and stuff like that was kind of weird. This house has heat, but I'm glad I was able to talk you out of that. And I'm glad my door had a lock on it as well. Yeah, this, this is a very nice place. So, okay. Well... We have traveled a ton, some of it together, uh, most of it <laughs> apart, but you did have some incident with noisy neighbors in Connecticut or something like that. <laughs> you, would you want to tell me about this? Yeah. I was looking through the outline and I saw that you had an issue as well, but we were going from New York up to Maine and we stayed at this hotel and I think the walls in the hotel were about one millimeter thick and I didn't know the area. So it turns out it wasn't a... Um, it was a suboptimal area, and a, probably a suboptimal hotel to stay at, very suboptimal. So we get in there, and everything was fine. And then about midnight, these people pile into the room next to us, and it was a bunch of people having a party. So they're just all screaming and yelling and waking us up. And uh, I had earplugs, but the rest of the family did not. We call the hotel management, and they don't do anything about it. And they're carrying on until like three or four in the morning, just laughing and screaming and yelling and all this shit. And I wake up early, no matter what time I'm up to. So I had a very bad night's sleep. I, I woke up at like 6.30. I'm like, you know what? These I can't let this bad deed go unpunished. So, you know, you can pick up the, the phone to the room and just press the room number and dial it in your room. Well, they were right next to us. I, I dialed their room and they were all passed out because they had been to sleep like two hours before. And the thing about it was, since the balls were paper were paper thin, I could like actually hear the phone ringing. So I doubt it, and I hear like it rings like six times. The person's like, uh, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I said anything. I just hung the phone up. 
And then I can't keep it straight. I, I immediately did, did the same thing again to my kids and Mindy are like, don't do it, don't do it. I'm like, no, these people kept us up all night. So I this time it rings like three times. And they're like, and then they hang it up. And you think at this point that they would have been smart enough to, to disconnect their phone, but they weren't. So we went on to get breakfast, say like the breakfast waffle machine. I watched it to let them get back to sleep. So then I come back and, and they do the same thing again. They're like, who the beep beep is calling us? F you, F you. And yellow is profanities on the phone. And then to, to top it off, we, we were leaving and our car happened to be parked right in front of theirs. So we, we had a breakfast, go back. I do my last prank call and I just laid on the horn. Like our, the hood of our car was like four feet away from their window. So they had four different wake up calls from me. I don't know. It was pretty childish and juvenile, but they kept me up. Sleep is so important, and they didn't understand that. <clears throat> that is rough. We, I didn't do anything like that, but we were uh, we're driving through Idaho once, and some people came in next door, two in the morning, and they weren't loud when they were in the room, but they were like loading all their stuff in, and they kept like letting the door slam. And there were like eight of them or something like that. So it was just like a constant flow. And I'm, I, I was too, it woke me up, but I didn't, I didn't like call and complain or whatever. So anyway, the, would you do anything different? Do you have like a better prank that you could do? Yeah, I probably would have got some voices from the internet, like some Arnold Schwarzenegger voice or something like that. Like yeah. I know they've got sites where you can go to do, where you can go to to play different clips from different actors. So I would have had it sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like you have been terminated or whatever the hell he said. Okay. So but a, a pro tip for anyone when they're in a hotel, like the other thing that annoys me is sometimes you'll get a room and the room above you always has like 50 kids in there and they're running around the whole time. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Like, your kids should not be running around. And I always try for the top floor to avoid that situation as mm -hmm. well. And I'll have, um, when we, we actually have tips here. It's not just stories of, uh, Carl being, uh, <laughs> being, I don't know what you call that exactly. Juvenile. Vengeful. Uh, vengeful. We have some tips and I have a similar story, but mine turned out better. I acted like an adult. <laughs> nice. And uh, it worked out fine. So, Let's do a quick recap of where we've traveled this year. So Elizabeth and I are on a quest to visit all the national parks. So that actually shaped a lot of our travel. So we went to Black Canyon of the Gunnison, which is out in uh, like Western Colorado. Great Sand Dunes National Park that is in uh, Southeast Colorado or South Southern Colorado. And then uh, we went to Wind Caves National Park. That's in South Dakota. Teddy Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota. Went to Gateway Arch. Saw our friend Kristen, which is where I had um, some of the hotel issues. Um, we're at a nice hotel, but I'll save that story. We also went back to Atlanta for a few weeks. We went to Bozeman as well. And uh, we went to Leadville. And then here, you and I are now in uh, Breckenridge. So a lot of travel, and I probably forgot a couple of, of the side trips too. Yeah, you forgot about Economy. We were both there like back in March oh, yeah. whenever that was. Yeah, yeah. So Cincinnati. Oh, and we were at uh, Camp Fi, or I was at a Camp Fi in uh, Colorado Springs. So those, yeah, those all count. 
Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of travel too, and I forgot a couple things too. I was at the Camp Fi in January in Florida. Then we went to Cincinnati for Economy, and we went to New York City after that, actually. Uh, in June, we had a big kind of semi-spontaneous Hawaii vacation. We have friends who live there that invited us to stay with them. Uh, I went to Las Vegas to see family. Uh, my older daughter and I, she had a an event in the Midwest. We went there and we did a little road trip from Bloomington, Indiana, up to the Twin Cities. Uh, I went to St. Louis for a Guns N' Roses concert that was canceled. I've tried to see them three times in my life, and all three times there's been an issue. It's been canceled, and I have not been able to see them. I'm going to try again in like three weeks. And then finally, I just got back from California, Southern California, where they there was a Camp Fi. Yeah, a lot of travel. And one, one thing we're going to do, and I, I it'll be interesting if you do the same thing, but I heard it on a Tim Ferriss podcast. I can't remember who he interviewed, but basically you review the, the tra- your year and you review your travel and you're like, I was out of town. I didn't sleep in my own bed for whatever, three weeks or like a month and a half or whatever. And like you assess like, is that where I want to spend my time? Did I travel too much this year? Most of the shit we're doing, right? It's pretty fun. These are like leisurely trips. They're not like business trips in the traditional sense. So they are fun, but at the same time, it's like, should we be home more? So have you ever done that exercise? I don't think, well, I have done that exercise, but not frame like that. I always assess the vacation now and figure out like what we could have done to make it better. And how did I feel when I left versus how did I feel when I come back? Like, was I more tired when I came back? Did I look back on it and appreciate the experiences we had? Did I have enough downtime, which we're going to talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of times you go somewhere, especially if there's other people, they're like, we'll go to a campfire, maybe the economy or FinCon and if it was just you and Elizabeth, maybe you'd get to bed at, at a normal time and it wouldn't be as bad. But when there's stuff like that, I'm going to go to bed at 930 and then like 1230 a.m. you're still up with people and it mm-hmm. it wears you down. You have to be very careful. Um, says yeah. me who just did the did that exact same thing a couple <laughs> days ago in Camp Fi in California. Yeah. It, yeah, that's the thing. I The point being, I mean, I might be close to the limit where I'm like, okay, I'm technically, I want to do more camp fives, but those are a few days away. You have to fly to them, except the one here in Colorado. So I might be in my cap. And if I want to do other stuff, then I have to cut out other things. So it's something I'll I'll review. Maybe there's a new solution that I, I don't know of, but I like being at home. We have a lot of cool stuff in our in our little vicinity and there's activities like I missed a couple activities at HQ because I was out of town doing some other shit. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, I agree with you, Doug, there. I don't think I could ever be one of those people who's like permanently on the road or <clears throat> on the road for six months. I like having a, a routine and like, like the stuff you do in your daily life that you enjoy, maybe cooking or working out. It's a little bit harder. You can arrange that stuff on the road, maybe, but there's always issues. They might not have a cooking implement you need, or you might not be able to find a gym and it's not as easy. So I think they're definitely, I I like the balance as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get into the nuts and bolts. We're going to go in 
couple different sections, three different sections, it looks like. So logistics, saving money, and then enjoying the experience. We're going to start off with logistics. I have been a TSA pre-check person for a couple years, and it was amazing the first couple times going through. And I thought, holy shit, I can't believe I didn't get TSA pre-check before. I imagine it was so expensive and it was kind of a hassle, but a lot of credit cards actually will give you credit to get the TSA pre-check. And I know, Carl, you're a new TSA pre-check member, right? Yes. How is it? Oh, it's so good. I've, I've never been, there's only been one time and I, I look at my watch. There has only been one time where it took longer than 10 minutes to get through security. And that was actually the last time I flew out of DIA. And I don't know what went wrong there, but the best time was we were flying back from St. Louis and we get to the airport and the line was massive. Like the normal security line, just like a switchback after switchback or whatever they call it, probably at least a hundred people in line. And then I go to the TSA line and there's like eight or nine people in there. And even if the line is long, I feel like people who use pre-check are probably more experienced travelers. You don't have to take your electronics out. You can keep your shoes on. So even if there is equivalent amount of people, it moves a lot faster. It's uh, it's great. Like 75 bucks, it's the best 75 bucks you'll spend if you're a frequent traveler. And it's like, a, is it four or five years? Is it a five-year thing? Yeah, I think it's five years. I think. Yeah, so relatively inexpensive. And for TSA pre-check, you can get it done like at remote locations. So I went to the Staples near our house and I'm sure there's other locations where you can do the little interview and they fingerprint you, ask you a couple questions, but it was very easy to schedule and get it done. So was your experience the same? Yeah, it was super easy. Staples stopped doing it by the time I got to it. So I had to drive a little bit farther, but driving 20 minutes farther to save like at least that amount of time at the airport every time I go is uh, well worthwhile. So get TSA pre-check. It's definitely worth it. The next one, I call it a go bag or an overnight bag for road trips. And we road trip a lot. We have uh, Georgie, our border collie, and she loves riding in the car. She loves road trips. We like road trips. And one thing we often do is, uh, and, and this was, I guess, something for, for many years, we would take multiple day road trips to drive from like Atlanta to Denver or Atlanta to Bozeman or vice versa. And you pack a lot of stuff. So we're going for kind of a slow travel idea. So we have a lot of stuff in our car, but you're going to a hotel each night to stay. You don't want to unpack everything. It's a huge pain in the butt. It takes a while. You're driving all day. So if you have to unpack your whole car, it sucks. So what we would do is just have one bag where I put, you know, what I need for one or two nights. Same for Elizabeth, same for Georgie. She has a couple things she needs to pack too. We put it in one bag. So when we get to our destination for the night, instead of unloading the whole car, you just grab like one duffel bag and you go in and that's it. Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, actually, I do the exact same thing. I have a pretty substantial computer bag, so I'll just uh, pack uh, tightly pack a bunch of clothes in there so I don't have to carry everything. And I, I have yet to sell my family on this concept, so oh, they're, really? they're, they're looking at all their stuff. And, oh, so they unload everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes it so much easier, but um, do, do they unload everything, or are you the one unloading everything? 
Yeah, I usually get stuck with it. But uh, I mean, sometimes what they do to their credit is the the other three members of my family will share one suitcase and not so much anymore. The girls have gotten cranky, but in that case, it wasn't too bad. One suitcase. But, okay. And uh, yeah, them. I, I think the other issue is they feel like they have to pack like half of their life with them. And I think it's better to err on the side of less. And if you've forgotten something, just buy it whenever you get to wherever you're going. Perfect. And actually that leads us to one of the the next ones here is packing less. And over time you realize we overpack, right? We plan on being adaptable for like every situation that may come up. Maybe not all the time, but basically I pack too much shit, right? I'm like, ah, I'm bringing too many clothes and I end up wearing the same three t-shirts. And I've started to just test like, hey, if I don't bring enough stuff, I could just buy another shirt if I need to, but I probably won't need to. I could just like figure it out. So packing way less has been awesome. And now you have a little trick that you do. Yeah. So I call this one way underwear. You know, uh, sometimes your underwear wears out and starts to get holes in them and they're destined for the garbage. So I seek out those pairs and same thing with socks. And then when I wear them, I just toss them out and then, uh, they make their they go out on a blaze of glory on some great trip, and uh, I lighten up as I continue. Or you've got room if you want to bring back a T-shirt or some other silly thing from your trip. Okay, that's um, I didn't know what this note was going to be, but that's actually better than I thought. What were you expecting when I wrote one way underwear in the show notes? I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't want to say what I thought this was, but. That does beg the question, how long do you think you keep your underwear? How long does it last for you? Oh, man. I had one pair that Mindy threw out a couple of years ago, and I remember them from high school. So they had lots of holes in them. But that pair lasted 20 years. It seems like uh, I think now because I'm so active, I'm on the bike a lot, and that creates friction. They probably last like five years now. Okay. What brand was that high school? uh... I think it was Hanes, and that was like, Old school cotton, which I would never buy now. I like the breathable fabrics, like mm-hmm. polyester or whatever they put in there. You got to keep everything cool and uh, wick the sweat away. Okay. Yeah. The Hanes. Uh, and I, I recently got some Hanes, and I feel like they're, they're I wear through them a little bit more. What, what do you think of that? Yeah. Maybe I can uh, show them to you. Maybe I can show you where it wears. Right now? <laughs> Um, a little later, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I usually just go to Costco and they've got the, like the nice three packs or whatever. Right. It's not too expensive. And yeah. I do the ones that uh, I don't even know what they call them. I don't like boxers, but they're not tidy whities They've got like the... The boxer briefs. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I like too. Yeah, that's my go-to. Do you ever... Get, I, I got into the MeUndies. Do you ever see those? I know when you were looking through my stuff once, you, you saw some of the patterns and whatever, but... Did you ever get any MeUndies? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you never heard the commercials for like MeUndies? They have like the micromodal fabric or whatever. They're super soft. They have great patterns on there. Oh, it's like uh, cartoon characters or like um, Hello Kitty on there? Like, all all kind of there? stuff. Okay. All kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll show you later. But all right. So you sometimes you <laughs> sometimes you bring really old underwear and then you just leave it. <laughs> leave it sounds ominous like i'm leaving it on the floor of the hotel room i i throw it in the trash <laughs> properly dispose of my underwear after one last good uh wearing okay 
great. Moving on from this one, which, yeah, we got to ditch that one. Let's just keep going. All right. Next one is finding the ideal trip length. And I think it varies. Uh, We've talked about slow travel. Elizabeth and I really like slow travel, but in recent trips, we realized, is this the right place for slow travel? We missed the mark for the ideal length of trip at this place. So how do you dial in the ideal trip length? Yeah, that's uh, that's super interesting. I guess it depends if your if your trip involves people who you want to spend time with or not. But yeah, and that's an easy and obvious answer. But otherwise, I think, and this is a little bit more difficult with us since we have kids and they've got all these events and stuff that they have to be at. But if I didn't do that, I think I'd err on the side of going longer, maybe for. I guess it depends on the place and what there is to do there and where it is in the world, but at least two weeks, maybe like post kids, that's what we'll do. Okay. And hopefully longer. I'm thinking like a, a month. I don't even like the word travel. I'd rather just go live somewhere else for a month. Right. And that's what we did um, for a few years. Almost all of our like major trips were about a month. And a lot of times they were across the country. So we would go, we went to Austin, we went to Denver, we stayed in Bozeman, Whitefish, um, visited family in Indiana once. And a month really gives you space to not be rushed around. And there's a lot of great benefits for just taking your time. That said, more recently, you know, maybe, maybe it's not my issue so much. No one tell Elizabeth this. Okay. So on a lot of our trips, Elizabeth, like before we get to the end of the trip, she's like, I'm ready to go home. Let's just go home now. And I'm like, we paid for an Airbnb for another couple days. Like it's a sunk cost, of course, but she's like, we should just leave now. So it adds like a little additional like stress where it's like, should we just leave? And then decision fatigue is real. Right. So now we're like, oh, should we leave early? And I'm like, why did we try to come here for like two weeks if we were just trying to leave uh, after 10 days, stuff like that. There's some other exterior factors, right? External factors here. But um, typically I would rather just take your time and it's okay to have some down days and just hang out. But yeah, any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I actually, I actually got this from Ramit and he has some rule and I think it is, it is for every day of activity, you should like plan for two days of downtime. And that might not be the proper ratio for everyone, but I like that idea a lot because then you're not packing a bunch of stuff in. So for example, if you're going to Whitefish, you might want to go to Glacier National Park and you might want to spend two days there, but why not plan for four days of downtime just to walk around Whitefish or even bring a book and just do whatever you would normally do at home. Just do it in this different environment, which I think is is pretty satisfactory. I, I like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when we have slow traveled, generally we probably did have like the two day off, one day on kind of thing. And that gives you plenty of space. You could enjoy things. You can do your normal activities or whatever. And yeah. So anyway, We've started to shorten some of our trips uh, here in the last few months. And I think perhaps next year we'll also do some shorter trips. The other thing is like, depending on where we travel and when we want to, um, 
we may not want to stay there as long, basically. So we're just like, ah, four days is good. We'll do a couple things and then we'll get the fuck out. So, yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever been to a place that I've wanted to leave home b- before the trip is over. But I don't know. What about visiting family? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where the, the wrinkle comes in. Okay, so everyone, you know, learn your family. Uh, you know, if you want to go on a shorter trip or a longer trip, whatever. Slow travel is great. It does take a little of the pressure off. All right. Next, we have uh, snacks and food. So road trips, you can plan ahead. You can eat a little healthier, bring snacks with you. We usually pack a little cooler and we'll have like a day, maybe a little bit more of food in there. What do you guys do for road trips or even at the airport? Do you bring food along, you know, maybe a nice tuna fish sandwich for the plane? Um, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a, in a moment, but we have lounge access through our Capital One mm. credit card, which gets can get you some good food, although not at the moment because the lounge is not open at DIA, DIA. But I like to bring protein bars. I figure if you're hungry, those take the edge off the hunger and then you can go a little bit longer without eating. Yeah. How do you uh, deal with sort of the the whole food and meal aspect for, say, a week-long trip with a whole family? Yeah, it's it's a little bit difficult because I don't like – I like going out to eat like everyone else. But when I go out to eat, it feels kind of weird to order a salad like I could have this at home. So I want to order something good that I couldn't get at home, and usually that is pretty unhealthy – uh, so we try to leverage hotels with like a breakfast area. So we have to do one less meal out. And a lot of those places have like eggs and fruit and oatmeal. Like they always have a big thing of oatmeal, which is healthy. So I always make that my primary thing. And then sometimes we'll just uh, we'll eat out of the grocery store. Like uh, a lot of like Whole Foods and other ones have the salad bar and they'll have some hot food in there. So you don't have to eat out every single time. Do you know if like Whole Foods specifically – is it a little healthier or I mean, from a calorie standpoint, like, can you actually like currently we're both trying to eat better. And one thing I'm aiming for is like getting enough protein. So like, could you actually like get a good meal there that isn't filled with like, you know, a lot of extra oil or whatever that makes it taste really good. I love that stuff. But like, if you're watching your calories and stuff, Yeah, I think you actually can. I I was in Bloomington, Indiana, and they had a grocery store that was like Whole Foods that wasn't Whole Foods. I can't remember what it was, some kind of co-op thing. And they had like this, uh, I never had this before, but it was like a curry garbanzo bean like little thing. And it was so good. I actually kept the lid or I took a picture of the lid with a recipe so I could replicate it at home. But it was just like uh, garbanzo beans with some curry and some other stuff in Mm. there. So I think you can eat healthier at those places. Maybe not all of it is healthy. But I think they have definitely more options to do it if you're if you uh, do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. The, do you ever get me a beef jerky? That's another like good um, snack, high protein. You know, n- no other bullshit in there. Yeah, I go to Costco and get like a bag of that. I think mm-hmm. that's a great tip. Yeah, I haven't gotten it in a while. It's, it's often very expensive. I need to look into making it myself. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do y'all do when you're on the road? I know you tend to, uh, well, uh, I guess back up a second, do you tend to stay at Airbnbs or hotels? And I think this is actually a topic later on in the outline, but we can talk about it now because if you're in an Airbnb, yeah. then you can just go by and prepare your own food. 
Yeah, we do. We do a little bit of both, but if we're if we're somewhere for more than a week or two, um, we'll usually do an Airbnb, and then yep, I hit up the grocery store. I have like some meals planned. Occasionally, like if we come out here to the mountains or somewhere closer, I'll have like several meals prepared that are frozen. So I have like chicken that's like vacuum sealed and frozen and just ready to go. So I could throw it in the cooler, it defrosts on the way. And then, and I've done like whatever trays of lasagna or uh, enchiladas or something like that. So yeah, I will, if we have a, if we're in an Airbnb, like I'll cook a lot. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. What you said right there about bringing your own food, because sometimes you might plan, Oh, I'll just go to the grocery store. But if you've, and buy it. But then it's easy to say, yeah, you know what? Let's just go out to eat. I'm not going to go to the grocery store. But if you've brought your own food, sunk cost might be the wrong word, but you've brought all this stuff up already. And it's a lot easier just to throw that in the oven and cook it than to like find a restaurant and all that. Yeah. It's just the friction. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's pros and cons of, uh, you know, doing the, doing the dishes and, and there's some overhead, even if you're cooking at home, but the, um, the fact is like from a health perspective, now that I'm like looking at calories very specifically, like it's so easy to go overboard. Like we went out to eat last night and I'm pretty sure it was like 2000 calories, yeah. like easily. So the food was great, but I wouldn't do that at home. So Yeah. We are writing our second book called the asparagus diet. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. I actually had asparagus today. Nice. It was part of the stuff I brought from home. I eat way more asparagus now than I did before. And I actually, I don't know if you noticed this, Doug, but in this place we're staying at, there's a jar of asparagus <laughs> in the refrigerator. I saw them. Yeah. They're huge. Yes. Huge spears. It's like crazy. Very large. Okay. Next, we have stay in prime locations to minimize commuting. So best example of this for me in a kind of a recent trip is when we went to San Diego, we stayed in the mission beach area and everything was right there. We could walk to a grocery store. We could walk to restaurants. The beach was a few hundred feet away. The bay was a couple hundred feet away. Like everything was right there. And we literally didn't have to drive anywhere. It was fantastic. Do you like try to do this specifically Yes, now I do. I didn't used to because the beach location is going to be like two or three X the cost of a place one or two miles away from the beach. But then you might have to have a car and the location isn't going to be walkable. I find there's so much joy in just walking around like a good area. Like that's half the attraction of travel for us. Like when, when we went to Berlin a year and a half ago, we got something in the city center. So all the sites were within walking distance. And there's so much value to walking because you never know when you're going to like come upon some serendipitous like restaurant or thing. Like I could think of a couple examples. We had a really good meal in Berlin to someplace we happened to walk past and had not planned on going to, but it was probably one of the best meals we had there. And another one, we were in Ocean Beach, California, and we walked past a, uh, a cat cafe. And uh, I'm not into cats, but my, uh, my kids are. So we stopped there and they had a great time. Yeah. I don't know if you know what a cat cafe is. I think we talked about this a while ago. Like you yeah. pay to go hang out with cats. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone either, but uh, 
The only downside to staying in the prime locations is, uh, I mean, literally it's the cost. Like it just, it's more expensive. And I never did it before, but I was like, I don't want to rent a car. It seems to be kind of expensive. And there's also, I think we're, we're blending a lot of things together here, but, but basically like having to drive around is a little stressful because you don't know where you're going. Parking is a little stressful. And then if you could just eliminate those two things and then be in a prime location, like it made the trip way more enjoyable. Yeah. So there were, there were some good benefits. It cost a little bit more for sure. And like you said, I didn't even look a couple miles inland. Um, it it would have been, yeah, just a third of the cost. Yeah. Something like that. And this kind of ties into our next tip where if you have to get a car, you should consider Turo because like in Hawaii, I use Turo and um, California, I use Turo, although for a little bit different of a reason, but oftentimes it's far cheaper. If you do use Turo, make sure you inspect the car thoroughly before you rent it. Um, I, f- I almost found that out the hard way when I rented a clunker and, uh, but luckily I had taken pictures of it and could prove that it was a clunker before I ever got to it. But I, I think those stories are few and far between. Um, it, you don't have to deal with like the insurance upsell the counter and waiting in line. It's usually pretty frictionless, which is great. But the second thing around this is uh, you may be thinking of this, Doug, actually, I think it was a trip you took to San Diego and you said you didn't get a car at all. You just did Uber the whole time mm-hmm. or Lyft or whatever. And yep. I think there's a lot of value to that because like renting a car used to be super cheap. Like you could get a car for 20 bucks a day. But now that's not the case. Like it seems like COVID hangover when they got really expensive and then they they still haven't dropped that down. So a lot of times it's cheaper just to get a ride share, especially if you're in town and don't have to go anywhere after you get there. Like do that. Then you don't have to mess with all the other shit. It was like so much cheaper just getting ride share everywhere we needed to go and less stress overall. And that doesn't even count the gas and gas is fairly expensive in California. Maybe in other geographies, it wouldn't be quite a slam dunk, but yeah, I was, I was like really happy with not having to drive. And then the apps are great these days. Back in the day, you would call a taxi company and you never even know if they're going to show up. You I mean, you remember those days, right? Yeah. You had to like look it up and yeah, very inefficient and very, there's a lot of friction in that transaction. Yeah. And they're like, ah, well, we might be there in like 45 minutes. And it's like, oh man. But now you can see it's three minutes, the ride's three minutes away. Yeah. It's right there. And sometimes because of like this happened to us on a trip a couple of years ago, uh, they actually didn't have, we pulled up Uber and there wasn't anyone. So we walked up to a taxi and we're like, uh, it, it, to back up a second, the one Uber we could have taken if we would have been willing to wait was like 45 bucks or something. But then I talked to this taxi person. She's like, oh, where are you going to? I'm like, oh, we're going to like Ocean Beach, this hotel. She's like, oh, I'll take you there for 25 bucks, flat fee. And we actually had to do that in Cincinnati for economy as well. And, and it worked fine. So I would probably always default to a ride share, but... Uh, I think taxis, because they have to compete with them, if they happen to be there, sometimes you can negotiate with them and get a better rate than you normally would have. And I think like the airport would be maybe the easiest place that most people run into where there's like, there's taxis available and they like, they want to take you somewhere. Yeah. Like that, that works. All right. So this one's pretty obvious. It wraps up this logistical one is just go off season. There's less crowds. Usually it's a little bit cheaper 
And depending on what you're into, I mean, it means some people might like to have more people around and have the crowd, but personally, that's not what I'm into. No, you're in a crowd, then you got to wait if you want to go to restaurants. If you're going to an amusement park, there's going to be two hour long lines. So I don't know why anyone would choose that if they had another option. What's the last amusement park that you went to? Oh, God, it's been a long time. Like as a kid, I used to think they were super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I think it was uh, Legoland in California, which mm. was a, a horrible experience. Legoland sucks, or at least to the day we went there. I don't even remember the last amusement park I, I went to. I'd have to think. We'll yeah. come back to it. Yeah, you're just, it's hot. You're just standing there in line. And like, I hate lines. A life without lines is the life I want to live. And uh, there's nothing good about it. Unless you can go in the off season. Moving on to the saving money section. So this is specific for staying in hotels, but you could extend it to other, other things. But ask for fees to be waived. We travel with Georgie. We stay in hotels. And Elizabeth is a little bit better at this than me. So often she'll go to check in and she's like, oh, you know, we have a pet, you know, we put it in the reservation so they know. And then typically it's maybe like 15 to a hundred dollars for the pet fee. And it's kind of optional. You could just say, hey, can you waive the pet fee? And Sometimes they're just like, ah, yeah, sure. Sometimes they're like, ah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And we don't always do it, but the other person will walk Georgie in and she's very cute. She'll wag her tail. And then they're like, oh yeah, she's, she's pretty cute. And then they'll often waive the fee. It's, it's over a 50% success rate. And, um, all you have to do is ask. And there's other fees that they charge you, maybe a parking fee or other shit. So, you could always ask for them to waive it. It's typically optional and they rarely have, to, I mean, as far as I know, they don't have to get like any kind of manager approval. It's just like untick the box. Huh? That's uh that's pretty interesting. I never thought about that, I guess. Um, yeah. Now I'm thinking back of all the places we stayed at, like one place in particular had a, uh, like a really nice breakfast spread, but you had to pay for it. And because we had been there multiple times, they're like, Oh, here's a, a voucher for like two free ones or whatever. But we probably, if they had not given that to us, we probably could have asked for that. I mean, what is it? What's the worst that can happen? They say no. Exactly. Yeah, and actually, now that I'm I'm thinking about it, sometimes there's a coffee shop or a cafe or something, and you can ask for vouchers or or whatever. They almost always have it, or, or the bar. Um, but yeah, there's no harm in asking, and you know, the person is uh, if you if you're a little cheerful. Yeah. If you're a little pleasant, like they're likely to go ahead and hook you up. Next one here is around food. So this is from Elizabeth. She went with a friend to Munich earlier this year. And this is one that came up. Basically, you could share food, right? It's kind of obvious. We share food when we go out all the time because the portions are way too big. Usually they're huge, and that's why calorie counting is a little bit difficult uh, to make the math work. But when you're on vacation, you probably want to try something a little bit different. So if you if you uh, share your food, um, especially if you have a bigger group, then everyone gets to try a little bit more. And then the second part of this is like, if you are trying to be healthy, you don't have to finish everything on your plate. I I do. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I do like eating, but you don't have to finish everything. Yeah, except for yesterday when I did indeed eat the whole cheeseburger. I usually cut it in half before I, I ever taste any of it and like set that in stone so I'm not going to eat the other half. I think I looked for a knife and they didn't give me one. So I, I was making an, an excuse for myself. I just could have asked for it. But yeah. Yeah, and I eat everything on my plate too. So nothing wrong with that. Anyway, the point is you could share, you could share food and don't worry about it. Usually the, the kitchen staff is okay with it. Um, you could tip more or buy another drink or whatever. But I mean, the thing is like, you don't have to, not everyone at your table has to order a full meal if you don't want to. Yeah. And I think sometimes you end up actually getting more food because they'll like split the cheeseburger and then they'll come out with like two plates of fries. But it seems like you get more than you would have if you hadn't done that in the first place. You've been flying a lot this year. Have you heard the the uh, airline ask for volunteers to get bumped to the next flight? I did. And it was actually the one time we flew as a family. It doesn't. I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on this. So in my experience, it doesn't seem to happen as often as it used to. But, but there was one time where Minnie and I flew and they're like, yeah, we, we really need volunteers. And we're like, you know, well, we should get back home. We, we had a arranged a ride and this is like pre-cell phone area pre-cell phone um, era and uh, then we got on the plane and they had doubled it they're like we'll give any person like 800 bucks or something like that a voucher so we're like let's get off this thing right now and take that and we'll find some way to get in touch with our ride and then the funny thing is we went to use the vouchers and the next time they were looking for volunteers as well so we're like yeah we'll do that so we ended up flying for like three times for free or maybe it was four times on these vouchers but I love that tip. It's a little bit harder if you're traveling with kids because you got to manage them and all that. But man, if you're flying by yourself and can afford to be there later, and a lot of times you're probably going to say this, but if they're going to put you on a flight the next day as a result, like they'll put you up in a hotel or you can ask for that and they'll do it because they need you to give up your seat. I, I think I've only done it once and... I don't even remember the details and it wasn't that impressive, but I have heard, you know, like you said, you can get vouchers, right? So usually you can get a hotel, you can probably get a food voucher as well. And the thing is, there's no harm in asking. So you could ask for whatever you want. And again, I haven't done this, but I have heard that you might be able to pull this off. So often they will offer whatever, $200. And they're like, we'll go up to 400. And then by the end, they're offering like a thousand dollars, but it's just for the last couple people. Uh, I hear you can negotiate and just say, Hey, I'll volunteer now, but I want you to match the best offer that you end up doing. So even if you go that way, because the thing is, you're sitting there, you're you're ruminating about like, are you going to do it? Are you going to stay in a hotel? Like, is it going to be stressful? Blah, all those things, right? But if you could just say, hey, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll take the we'll take the money, but we want to make sure we're getting the best offer possible. So I'm told it can be done. Just ask, you know, get it in writing, like make sure you've done as much as you can to make sure you get the best offer possible. But I would say if you have a flexible schedule, there's no harm in doing it. Yeah, that's a great tip. I've also heard that you can ask for a class upgrade, like I'll do it, but I want to be in mm. business or first class because you're going to make me stay the night. And 
I've heard that often works as well. I think so. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I know. Um, I think you told me you've never flown first class. Is that right? I've never flown anything besides economy. Man, you got to check it out. I mean, it's not that much better, but back in the old traveling days, I got upgraded a couple of times when I flew often and, you know, there's flights going back. I think, like you said, there, there were more, um, more, well, it's a little bit different, but uh, basically there were more commuter flights or something like that in the route that I was going. So there, there were often some seats and I had good status back then. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I usually fly Southwest and they don't have a separate class, but when I did fly like American or United where they've got like two seats instead of three and this is pretty immature of me, but I'll own it and I'd probably still do it to this day. <laughs> Can you see where this is going? Dad? I, I, I would save up a, <laughs> a fart as I walk through first class. <laughs> You would save it up. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. try to work it up and get everything <laughs> moving. And yeah. I'm not proud of my actions, but there you have it. <laughs> you uh, use Google Flights, it sounds like. Yeah, I was. Uh, so my default used to always be Southwest because it was always the cheapest and they're pretty efficient. They're usually on time. But then we were going somewhere in the Southwest. fare was like five or 600 for a round trip and it seemed excessive so then i went on google flights i'm like holy crap like uh there's flights for half the cost on there so google flights is like an aggregator you can go on there type in where you're going to and where you what day you need to return and they query all these airlines and tell you the best deal it doesn't have all of them in there though which is the problem like southwest isn't in there and maybe some of the other cheaper ones like frontier spirit might not be in there either but oftentimes uh, you could find really good deals on there, and you can set up alerts too. So you'll say, "I want to go to this place." Like, uh, alert me when the ticket comes becomes like below a certain price, and they'll send you an email, and then you can go ahead and book it. And I think they even have trends on there too to find like the cheapest time to buy the ticket. So yeah, it's good. Very powerful search. Yeah, I, I use Google Flights as well, and then often I end up going directly to the airline, but. It depends on the situation. I mean, Google Flights directs you there, but uh, sometimes I already have an account there. So yeah. yeah, a lot of times I'll use Google Flights, but then after I find it, it's United, then I can go directly to their site and book it for that good price. All right, up next is a couple credit card ideas. Yeah, the first one is I've got the Capital One Venture X card, and that card comes with a four hundred dollar annual fee, which is steep. But they give you $300 in travel credits, so that brings the cost down to 100 And then they'll actually pay for your pre-check or whatever the world version of that is. So that brings it down to almost nothing. And with that card, you get lounge access. So if I'm flying out of an airport that has a lounge, I just don't eat. And then you go to that lounge and you can have food there. So I think the the cost is more than made up for it. The, uh, the, the fee you can more than make up for that with the lounges if you travel frequently. And with some of their other, other benefits, too, I had a uh, – I don't think it was a Capital One card, but it was a similar card, and these people accused us of damaging the car. And I don't think we did. Like, we had no incidents with the car. But the card covered the whole like, cost of the – like, they say we scraped the wheel well or something, and the card covered everything. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, get the right credit card. And also, I really like having hotel credit cards. And if you like Hilton, Hyatt, or Marriott, I know at least those three have their own cards. 
they have an annual fee too, but they give you um, a room comp, a free night stay, and then you for your spending, you earn points to get free nights. So the funny thing about my life is as a kid, we would stay in hotels like the Motel 6 and not super nice properties. They were fine and all that. But now we stay in nicer ones like Hyatt or Marriott, and we hardly ever pay for them just because uh, we get them from the credit card benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to currently have a United card, and it does it does pretty well. The and the thing is, I'll probably switch around sometime in the future, get different cards depending on what I'm trying to do. So, and you get great bonuses when you first join a uh, credit card. Yeah. So, all right. So funny thing, my laptop is right here in Siri is, uh, listen to the whole last paragraph. So some, some nonsense in here. (laughs) Okay. So this section is all about enjoying the experience and interesting. The first point here is to complain if there are issues and Starting on a negative note, but we were in St. Louis. We were staying at a nice hotel. It was actually a Hyatt. You had talked about uh, Hyatt's, and I was like, oh, I haven't been to one in a very long time. It happened to be a great location right next to the Arch. And our friend Kristen came out uh, for dinner and hung out with us for a little while, showed us around a little bit. And then we went to bed relatively early, right? So 10 o'clock, pass out, fall asleep. And then we start hearing noise starting maybe like midnight. People are like running down the hall, yelling. There was a Cardinals game, which is just down the street. So I thought, oh, maybe they went to the game. It's just some rowdy fans or whatever. But it kept going on, say every 45 minutes through the whole night. And you think, ah, some rowdy fans. And then it happens again later. And then it happens again. I never called the front desk. It just woke us up. But we never like woke up and like sat up and tried to figure out what was going on. Eventually, we woke up normally to take Georgie out at like six in the morning or something like that. And those motherfuckers were still running around. And I was like, these guys have been up all night. This is crazy. So, walk Georgie, come back. Um, we're starting to clear out of there. And I heard more uh, yelling actually in the hall. And what had happened was Elizabeth like poked her head out to just see what who was out there. And they yelled at her. They started yelling at her. And then she like closed the door. And then I, I looked out there. I videoed for a second and then went back in the room. Not confrontational or anything like that. Anyway, when we checked out, I was like, hey, there was all sorts of noise. I explained the situation and then showed the little video. And... They were great. They apologized. They offered to pay for parking, which was significant being like in a downtown area. So they were like, we'll cover, um, we'll give you an option. We'll cover parking or we can give you points. And I was like, why don't you just give us both of those? (laughs) So they did. They were like, sure, we'll give you points. And then we'll give you, uh, is like $60 for the the parking. So it worked out fine. And if we didn't say anything, we wouldn't have gotten anything. So if we were riding down the elevator with someone right down the hall from us. And I was like, hey, did you hear noise last night? He was like, oh, it was terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we're about to complain. So I suggest you do the same. He didn't. So he, he got nothing from it. He just got annoyed. But we left and we were, you know, it was a little annoying. 
but we were happy that they did the right thing and gave us some stuff. Yeah, nice. I think most hotels will do that too. We've had issues like the one I told you about. Actually, we didn't complain to the desk that time, although we should have, but in the past, we had an issue similar to that. And I think they offered us like half price on our next day, which I don't think was that great. But yeah, I think most places are going to do something if you have a bad experience. Especially, I mean, thinking of the companies know that we can leave bad reviews and like I showed them the video where the person was like yelling at us, like they're probably going to do something. Yeah. So cool. So complain if there are issues and, you know, I mean, I probably should, if I would have fully awakened in the middle of the night, the best case would have been call the front desk to get security to go up there in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then they would have shut up it, shut it down, you know. Doug, I have to go to the bathroom. You could start talking about this one and I'll just uh, catch on when I'll I just pause. Back. Yeah, we've been a little too well hydrated in the last couple of days. So coming up next is to journal or record bullet points of your trip. You can do it in a paper notebook like we like to do often or use a notes app, anything to remember what you're doing each day. I recommended uh, you get like a little photo printer. Elizabeth got one of those for her trip. And I think you got one, right? Yes, I got the exact one you recommended. Which we can link up to. And it connects uh, via Bluetooth. And the thing is, we take a lot of pictures with our phones, but we rarely do anything with it. And the cool part and what we did specifically for multiple trips is, you know, we'll take pictures during the day. And then we have this little photo printer, which is like, the size of like an external hard drive. It's pretty small. It's a little bigger than a phone. And then you could just print out photos from the day. There's a little stickers and then you could put them in your journal. So you end up with like a little photo album journal situation where you really can remember stuff. If you don't do that, you are hundred percent going to forget, especially if you take like a two week trip or like a month long trip, you won't remember the first couple of days. There's no, there's no way you can. Yeah, a couple other tips along that same line of thinking is I, I love to take photos. And I, I've noticed, I don't think like Mindy hardly takes any or our kids don't, don't take much, but I take them all the time. I might take like 100 pictures a day on every day of vacation. And some of those I'll go in there and delete it. But when you go back and look through them, they stir up those same, those same memories. So you can journal through photography too. But then one other thing I like to do is when we stay with people, like I like to do something nice for them, leave them a card and maybe a gift. But when we leave them the card, I can print out some of the photos that we took with them and leave it in the card, kind of personalize it. And it's pretty cool because a lot of people don't even know these photo printers exist. So they're like, wow, how did you do that? That's so cool. And then uh, mm -hmm. it makes everything a little bit more special, I think. And I can't think of any you know, big downside. They're, they're a little small. I think they're two by three. So it's a little small, but it kind of replaces what like a Polaroid camera was back in the day. Did you have one of those as a, when you were growing up or whatever? No, we never had one, but that's a great analogy. It's like the exact same thing. And it's even better because if you take a crappy picture, you don't have to uh, own that picture. You can take how many number of pictures you want throughout the day, pick out the best ones, maybe tweak it a little bit. And then print it out so you're not stuck with like your thumb over the lens or whatever. <laughs> right. So one other thing, you can actually do like video as well. Like everyone 
probably has a phone that could do video. And if you're like, ah, I don't want to write it, or you want to get your family involved or something, like you could just set up, hold the camera, and then like people could talk about their day, and at least you have it captured in in some format, you know. So Anything else on recording or remembering? No, I think that video idea is great, though. I think I'm going to do that for our next trip, like ask our girls what their favorite part of the day was, what they did today. Maybe we'll have like three questions at the end of every day. And then like 10 years from now, they can go back and look on that. A lot of that stuff is fleeting, right? Like I go back and look at my photos and I'm like, oh, yeah, we did this and this and this. And you remember stuff. And sometimes it even helps you to remember like a, a restaurant or something because photos now are, are geotagged. So you can take the photo and then click the informational thing on there and see where it was. Like, oh, I remember having that great taco. Where was that? Oh, it was at this place. Here's the exact address location of it so I can go back to it. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we recently went back to Atlanta. We stayed for a couple weeks and we have family there. We have a lot of family there. But we decided to get an Airbnb because we're going to be there for a few weeks and we wanted our own space and we really didn't want to stay with family. Highly recommended. It made it better for everyone. I think Um, potentially hurt some people's feelings that we didn't stay with them, but the upside was worth it. And I think at the end of the day, they probably understood like, Hey, this was better for everyone versus like having visitors in the house for like three weeks. So have you ever done this? Uh, yes, we have. Um, when we visit my family, we usually do it, uh, partly because they don't have the space to put us up and they have, uh, lots of animals and I'm allergic to cats and, uh, yeah, it just, it reduces the friction. We get like a close Airbnb so we could still spend, probably almost as much time as we would have spent with each other anyway. But then you can retreat to your private space and get your own time when you need it. Yeah. So people may have to tread lightly with that one, but if once you pull the bandaid, like then you're kind of clear to keep doing that over and over again. And the other thing, I mean, it, it costs more like back in the day when we were in our twenties or whatever, we would stay with family and like we would share, you know, a lot of people sharing one bathroom or whatever, but now we don't have to do that and we don't. So yeah. if you, if you could, if you could do it, the extra space is really nice. Yeah. And we get to our last tip and this is one that's near and dear to my heart. And I think this is the most important one and that's don't over plan. So when I would take a vacation, I'd have a week off of work and I would like have every second planned. We'd wake up super early and be at wherever we're going to be early. And it just every day is packed and you go home from the vacation and you feel more tired than when you started. And it wasn't really, it wasn't a relaxing trip. You might've seen a lot of stuff, but it seems like you're just trying to accumulate points or selfies or whatever, if you do something like that. So we alluded to this a little bit before, but I really like the idea of having scheduled downtime or planned downtime. In other words, planning to do nothing at all uh, to balance out the activities you want to do. So if we're going to go to a national park, maybe if we're going to stay in Yosemite for seven days, I would plan for like hikes or something for one or two of the days and just plan to, and, and that's actually a bad example because uh, a city would be a, a a better example of that where there's lots of stuff going on, but just schedule downtime and don't put pressure on yourself to do anything at all. I think some of our best travel experiences 
have just been these serendipitous things that we wouldn't have found or done otherwise. Again, not so much me, but the girls still talk about the cat cafe they went to. <laughs> and uh, that never would have happened if we just if we'd had downtime and when we weren't just mindlessly wandering around Ocean Beach. Right. Yeah, the other thing is if you go to let's say you go to Rome or something like that, right? You're not going to be able to do everything. You literally have to choose the most important things for you to do. So, you know, if you're going to somewhere that doesn't have as much stuff, maybe it's not as big of a deal. But if you go to like a really epic place, you can't do everything. You literally can't complete all the little tasks that you are thinking you want to do there. So you may as well just like be pretty strategic as far as like, all right, we're going to do these three things. And then the rest of the time can be open. You will do things on those down days, but it's just not planned yet. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool to leave something on the table too. It gives you an excuse to go back there. I think it's satisfactory to go back to the same places sometimes. And then you've got something to do and an excuse to go to that place one more time. So what trip are you uh, looking forward to coming up here? Oh, wow. So this is interesting. I feel like I'm at the end of the chapter of a, a very long chapter of our life where we've been working on only stupid houses. And uh, I've got one more project, which I'll probably have done by the end of October. And that is a remodel of our last bathroom. And then that's it. There's a bunch of little stuff to tie up, like trim, but it's stuff I don't care about that if I don't get around to it for years, it'll be fine. But we've been so busy. I just had this other master bathroom model. I've kept myself way too busy. So... Uh, we're going on a cruise uh, at the very end of the year. It leaves on December 31st, New Year's Eve. So I think that's going to be great. We're kind of, I'll finally have peace because before, whenever we went on vacation, I'd be like, oh, this is great, but I've got all this stuff I have to do and finish up. When we get back, our house is still a disaster or half finished with projects. But now I can just go on this and enjoy it. And it's going to be like the end of this turbulent, busy time in our life. So mm. super looking forward to to that. How about yourself? I'm looking forward to not traveling very much. So we, like I said, we did a lot of travel this year. So looking forward to just hanging out here in the fall. We do, I'll answer the question though. So we do have a pretty cool trip coming up next year around the total solar eclipse timeframe. And we'll be visiting a couple national parks. We'll be heading out east, potentially visiting some family as well. So it'll be a multi-week or month-long trip at least. But that should be pretty fun. Like I said, a couple of national parks, potentially solar eclipse if the weather cooperates and all that. But yeah, we're just kind of we're laying low, staying at home. You know, it's longer nights and shorter days, so it's a good time to just hang out at home. Yeah, nice. Sounds awesome. Where are you going to watch the solar eclipse from? Like where specifically will you be? Cuyahoga National Park in Ohio. Oh, okay. I know where that is. It's like kind of like northern Ohio, right? By Cleveland, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. from a weather perspective, not ideal, but it'll be a national park. And we, we have, fortunately, we were lucky enough to see the solar eclipse in 2017, in idaho so we like made the trek and, and saw it absolutely amazing did you see the full total solar eclipse 100 uh no not 100 percent. 
are you going to try to do it? I don't know. I haven't thought much about it. How far do you have to go to see it? That's the wrong question, but I don't know. Uh, it goes from uh, Texas to like New York state or something. So kind of that swath across the, the Midwest there. So you should, if you've never seen one, you should do it. Yeah, it's it, fucking amazing. Yeah, I saw the one that came through long much. We got the goggles and saw like the ripples from leaves on the ground. But one thought I've had about solar eclipses and uh, tell me how I'm getting this wrong. is like there's one kind of every day. It's just called nighttime. It's just a longer version of it. Yeah, I think you may, you may have to double check, but it's a little bit different because you can't see the corona. That's the thing. When you see the corona, that's what blows your mind. Okay. You've seen video and stuff of it, but it's completely different to see in person. Yeah. The last big one that came through, my uncle, who was into photography, took a picture and he won like a grand, grand prize in a photography contest for it. It's pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say, I mean, you can go to Austin, right? You like Austin anyway. Yeah. Oh. It's in April. Good time of year. Like go there, watch oh, it in Texas. Man. I had plans to go down to Austin in the next six months too. So this is perfect. I'm going to make a note of this right now. Yeah. April 2024. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the question for the audience is what is your best travel tip? So where do you want them to leave their answer? Yeah, they can go to our Facebook group. They could go to the YouTube comments or they could send us an email and we will discuss these tips in a future episode and we will put links to all of those things in the show notes. Perfect. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Let's get this pizza going. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast and I'm Doug Cunnington the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five, and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person so the virtual kind is pretty good and more importantly your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them number two make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app apple podcast spotify overcast youtube whatever you're using and that way you won't miss a show and number three please leave us a rating and review we read them on the show occasionally and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Right, we're we're just pouring beers for the sound check here. You kindly shared this beer from, I believe, uh, where where's this from? Is this Trillium? Yeah, I think it's Trillium. All right, this one's uh, the Fens, and it's an IPA. Looks a little hazy. Smells yeah. good. Yeah.
Trillium is great. Have you heard of them? You must have heard of them before. They're pretty well known. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, when we were in the Boston area, we didn't go by. But I've heard of them. And I think I got them a little more often when I was in Atlanta. But uh, yeah, have you been a fan for a while? Yeah. And usually it's pretty hard to get. You don't see it show up in Colorado, but we just had the great American Beer Fest. And, and when that happens, a lot of these breweries who show up to that event will bring a bunch of their beer. Or I'm not exactly sure how it works. But anyway, the uh, the beer store will have a bunch of exotic stuff that usually you can never find in Colorado. It's very good. They're, they're known for their hoppy stuff, right? Yep. Primarily. Yeah. Very good. Well, we were... We were not going to have a beer. And then I was like, ah, maybe I'll get a beer. And then I was like, no, no, you got to be strong, Doug. And then uh, you, you were like, ah, maybe I'll get a beer. And I'm like, you're going to get a beer? So this is how it starts, you know. The thing is, it's a snowy day out there. We're up in Breckenridge. And, you know, it's not a huge amount of snow, but it's kind of early in the year. It is only October 12th. And, um, yeah, it's like a couple inches of snow here. So, this is a kind of day where we got a fire going, just a romantic dude's weekend. Yeah, we got a fire going and it's wet and muddy and we're not going to go outside and it's great to have have a drink. Yeah, it does feel really, really good. Uh, some some fans of the podcast were super kind and, and actually let us use their place to work on our book, which is so nice. And it's like you said, this is a perfect day. It's cold outside. It's snowing. We're in this warm, beautiful house. The only thing I would do differently is an IPA seems like the wrong beer. We should have had a stout or something like that or oh yeah, something not IPA. We went out to eat at uh, downstairs at Eric's or something. Yes. For people that are familiar with Breckenridge. Apparently, it's like an institution, but I got the Deschutes Obsidian Stout on Nitro, which was perfect for like a cool rainy night. And then, yeah, you're right. We, we don't have any stouts today, but... We'll do what we can with what we have. Yes. Are you a fan of snow or what, what's your what's I, your take? I do. I love snow. I'm more of a probably winter person than a summer person. If it's hot out, you can only take off so many of your clothes before people call the cops on you. But or is that the hard way? Huh? <laughs> if you're winter, you could just put on more clothes and be fine. I, I like snow sports too, like uh, sledding and snowboarding. So yeah, this is uh, this is my scene. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I, you know, I don't get into the winter sports. I'll do some snowshoeing. And I think this would actually be like a fucking gray area. We could actually walk to some trails. Um, it's only maybe eight or 10 minutes. And I've, I've been walking when I take a break from riding. I'll head up, up the gravel road, hit the trails, go up and down. There's hardly anyone there. We're kind of in an off weird shoulder season. So there's the occasional trail runner, but it's it's been really quiet and I don't think you walked out in the woods today, but the trees, when they, when they creak, it sounds fucking bananas. It sounds like a creaking door or a human voice. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It, when you look out, there's a lot, there's a huge number of like dead trees that are like falling. So when the wind blows a little bit and then we're going through like a, it was warm the other day and now it's much cooler, like what, 20, 30 degrees cooler. So anyway, the trees are making weird noises. Do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I do. I think you were, might have had your hallucinogens early or something like that. <laughs> no, no. It's just, it's, it sounds like a door creaking. Okay. Um, in human voices, and they tell me to do things. <laughs> no. But 
we'll walk through later or when you're walking, like go walk in the woods. It's very quiet because of the snow. I think it absorbs sound and then the wind blows a little bit. So don't wear earphones, just listen to nature. Oh, that's probably why I didn't hear it. I was catching up on podcasts. So Okay. Okay. I was trying to, you know, be one with nature and all that kind of shit. I'll do it.